Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Hello and welcome to episode 357 of the UK True Crime Podcast. I'm Adam in a wet and super chilly Scotland. Thank you for joining me today for this week's story that comes from the southwest of England in Cornwall. I'm afraid it's another shocking story of a predator desperate to attack and actively looking for a victim, any victim. Is there anything more scary than this? A totally unprovoked attack. There was just the most chilling line later in the podcast, which I'll share with you now. He said, you know I'm going to kill you now. And she simply nodded her head. Before we begin, just quickly, it's week two of my great true crime book giveaway for supporters on Patreon. You may have seen the pictures of some amazing books on my social channels. I gave away nine books to William from North Wales yesterday. He supports Everton, so he deserves a bit of a break. And there are 11 books waiting to be shipped off to a new home next week. Just head to patreon.com slash UKTrueCrime. Join me from as little as £1 a month and you can cancel any time. So why not get your name in the draw now? I'm delighted that this week's episode is brought to you by Shopify. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionising millions of businesses worldwide by simplifying selling online and in person so that you can successfully grow your business. Shopify covers all your sales channels and even gets you sending across social media marketplaces like Facebook, Instagram and TikTok. Full of the industry-leading tools ready to ignite your growth, Shopify gives you complete control over your business and your brand without learning new skills in design or coding. And thanks to 24-7 help and with an extensive business course library, Shopify is ready to support your success every step of the way. I recall super clearly a side business I set up initially a few years ago when I lived in Devon, which was so difficult to actually sell the product and most importantly, get paid. Changing the pricing and offers took me hours sitting at my computer when I actually needed to be working on my sales and my marketing strategy. A friend recommended Shopify and it completely transformed the business. It just made everything really so easy, leaving me to focus on the business, which is how you're going to make the money, right? What I love about Shopify is that no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify will be there to empower you with the confidence and control to take your business to the next level. It's time to get serious about selling and get Shopify today. Sign up for a £1 per month trial period at shopify.co.uk slash truecrime, all lowercase. Go to shopify.co.uk slash truecrime to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.co.uk slash truecrime. Okay, so let's quickly set some context for today's story with our guest the month and year game. 
Top of the UK music charts was S Club 7 with Don't Stop Moving. Ever danced to that? I bet you have. In the US, at the top of the charts was Janet with All For You. And the top album in Australia this year was Lily Allen with It's Not Me, It's You. In the news this month, Joey Ramone of the Ramones died of cancer at just 49. Manchester United won the FA Premier League title for the third season in a row and the seventh time in nine seasons and they paid a British record fee of £19 million for Ruud van Nistelrooy. Perry Wacker, a Dutch lorry driver, was jailed for 14 years for the manslaughter of 58 Chinese illegal immigrants who were found suffocated in his lorry at Dover Ferry Port in June the year before. And Jane Andrews, the former personal assistant to the Duchess of York, went on trial accused of murdering her fiancé, Thomas Cressman. That was, if you recall, a story covered by this podcast in the early days. And the top-grossing film in the UK this week was Bridget Jones's Diary. So did you guess the month and year? It was April 2001, and you thought you had it too, huh? Maybe next week. Today's story comes from Newquay in Cornwall, which is about 160 miles southwest of Bristol and 275 miles southwest of London. I lived nearby in Bude a few years ago and was a regular in Newquay. And as you will know if you spent time there, it's a beautiful and fun place, a very relaxed, a very chilled vibe. Fistral Beach is the home of UK surfing, and especially in the summer, the town attracts a crowd who want to enjoy the beautiful scenery and the water sports during the day and to party at night. Unfortunately, in 2023, the town's nightlife has hugely deteriorated from the heady days of the early 2000s when people from all over the UK and beyond came there to party the summer away. And it's now just a shell of what it was for nightlife compared to when we joined the story in 2001. Back then, the nightclubs in the town included tall trees, Fosters, Disco 5000, Steamers, The Beach, Bertie's, Sailors, Koala and Red Square, among others. I'm sure that some of you would have recognised some of those and they'd have put a smile on your face. Today we focus on the Beach Nightclub. It opened in June 1999 with an Egyptian-themed dance floor and bar and an Australian surf-themed bar above Koala Creek. Even during the week, the place would attract hundreds of people and major DJs played at the weekends and through the summer. One night in April 2001, among the partygoers there for a great time with their friends to enjoy the music and meet people and have fun, was a man who had very different intentions. This man was 26-year-old Paul Beat. Just five months earlier, he'd been released from prison after serving three years of a five-year sentence. The crime which had led him to be sent to jail was a three-hour-long indecent assault on a female family friend. It was a horrendous crime, which many in the court when he was sentenced felt deserved a much longer time in prison than the five years the judge gave him, and of course the measly three years he spent behind bars. Beat wasn't stupid and in prison he played the game and he was the perfect inmate. 
managing to convince the <laughs> the experts who ran the sex offender program in prison that he'd been able to overcome his desire for violent sex and he was a reformed character. On his release, he was moved to Boston in Lincolnshire, where although he was still seen as a high risk of offending, he was still given a job in a local factory where lots of women worked, incidentally, and under parole, he was closely monitored by a probation worker. But things didn't work out as planned when Beat was spotted by someone who knew him from his time before prison and knew all about his assault and his subsequent time in prison. The authorities moved him to another safe location, which was the land of the roundabout Milton Keynes. But Beat was anything but a reformed character, and he was beginning to plan his next attack. And in a highly logical and methodical manner, he began to purchase the items he needed to make his fantasies come true. And in April 2001, Beat knew he could wait no longer, and after seeing a coach trip from Milton Keynes to Newquay advertised in a travel shop, he booked a coach ticket and was soon heading southwest. So whereas others on the same coach were excitedly looking forward to their holidays or returning home visiting friends and family, Beat was very clear on the purpose of his trip. His bag contained sex aids and pornography, all the things that he needed to violently attack a woman in Newquay. A woman who, as he travelled, was just going about her life totally unaware of the danger that she was soon to face. Beat missed a probation order as he was travelling, but rather than contact the police to alert them that this highly dangerous man was on the loose, a probation officer wrote to Beat instead. And let's be absolutely clear that the authorities knew exactly what he was potentially capable of. Four psychiatrists had agreed that Beat suffered a sexual sadism that did not respond well to psychiatric intervention and he was a major risk to the public. But he was still allowed to continue his journey. The bus station in Newquay is in the centre of the town and after leaving the coach, Beat soon found a cheap hotel and then ventured out into the busy resort. It was late spring, the sun was in the air, there were lots of young women around and he spent his first two days in Newquay stalking three different women, but the opportunity did not arise for him to carry out his attack. On the third evening he went to a beach nightclub which was packed, but being surrounded by so many women led to him feeling frustrated and when he left, he attacked a 17 and an 18-year-old girl in the road not far from the nightclub. He slapped and groped one and he punched the other in the face. But when they both screamed for help, he ran off in the direction of Nuki Golf Club. And it was here in a quiet footpath, just metres from the busy town. If you know Nuki, it's between Atlantic Road and Pentai Road that he met 31-year-old hotel waitress, Deborah O'Sullivan. Deborah was from Manchester, but she loved Nuki. She loved the atmosphere and the buzz, and she enjoyed her work at the Bay Hotel, close to where she crossed paths with Beat. Beat had found the opportunity he'd been looking for, 
and he savagely assaulted Deborah over a sustained period of time, enjoying the sexual torture. The horror for Deborah lasted for over an hour. Deborah begged Beat not to hurt her, but this only made him increase the violence of his attack. During this assault, Beat twice attempted to strangle Deborah before beating her about the body of a litter bin. There came a time during the assault when he told the utterly terrified Deborah, You know I'm going to kill you now, and she simply nodded her head. When Beatz finally left Deborah, she was still alive, but only just. Walking away, Beat, who still had blood on his hands and all over his clothes, gave himself up to police in the town and said, I think I have killed her. There should be a death penalty for people like me. He pointed police in the direction of where Deborah lay, and she was soon found and taken to the Royal Cornwall Hospital and placed in intensive care. Deborah had been mutilated so badly that officers were barely able to recognise her. She died three days later in hospital in Plymouth from multiple injuries sustained during the attack. Deborah was only 31 when she was killed. From police inquiries, it quickly became apparent that the number of people walking close to the scene of the attack or living nearby did hear Deborah screaming and shouting for help. But nobody was close enough to disturb Beat, and nobody reported what they'd heard. Of course, the murder of Deborah was nobody's fault but Beat's. But like so many other stories we've heard on this podcast, I do feel terribly for the people who heard the screams of Deborah and didn't take any action. It'd always play on your mind, wouldn't it? What would you have done, do you think, if you'd heard the screams and shouts? Unsurprisingly, the town of Newquay was in a state of shock at events. The then mayor spoke of the upset and disbelief at what had happened in her own town. She said, What he did left us flabbergasted. We could not believe what we were told. I did not think that a human being could do what he did. We've had serious crimes in Newquay over the years, but nothing as horrible as this. Beat was held accountable for his actions at Bristol Crown Court where he pleaded guilty to murder. The court was told how Beat, who was born in Cambridgeshire, had excelled at school where he worked hard and achieved nine GCSEs and four A-levels. The psychiatric reports read out described Beat as a sexual sadist who was a considerable risk to the general public. Nothing new, nothing that people didn't know already. His defending QC said that Beat's condition was untreatable and asked for his guilty plea to the charge of murder to be taken into account with the sentence. The judge sentenced Beat to life in prison with a minimum of 25 years. She described him as a callous sadist, saying, You tortured that poor girl to death. We can only pray that she lapsed into unconsciousness before you inflicted some of the worst injuries on her. You planned this attack as you had planned other assaults. You are a man who remains a danger to women. The judge didn't hold back in criticising the prison and probation authorities who allowed Beat back into society where he was then able to kill Deborah. She told Beat, I'm astonished that you could afford the people who treated you in prison on the sex offenders programme into believing that you were a model prisoner. 
I hope that will be borne in mind in years to come when people consider whether you should be released. In addition to his life sentence for the murder of Deborah O'Sullivan, Beatz was also sentenced to three years for indecent assault and six months for common insult or concurrent for the attacks on the 17 and 18-year-old on the same night that he murdered Deborah. At the conclusion of the trial, Detective Inspector Martin Orp of Devon and Cornwall Constabulary said the attack was the most brutal he'd ever seen in his career. I would say that Beat is more than a murderer, he said. He's a brutal murderer. What she went through was unspeakable and unthinkable. We just hope that she was unconscious through most of the attack. Me too, but unfortunately, as we've already heard, Deborah was screaming and shouting, so she was conscious for at least some of it. And also after the hearing, Gareth Howard Davis, who represented the National Probation Service, said the following. During his time in prison, extensive assessment was undertaken to judge the levels of risk, and that was done conscientiously. He said that Beatz broke his probation order on April the 19th. The probation service wrote to him asking for an explanation. However, Beatz failed to reply to the letter, and just days later, as we've heard, carried out the attack on Deborah. Howard Davis said the probation service would not have informed the police about Beatz breaking his probation unless he failed to provide a satisfactory reason for his non-attendance or failed to provide any explanation at all in responding to the letter. He said that thorough and extensive assessments have been undertaken to gauge the level of risk that Beatz represented to the public. Finally, he added, everything was done that could reasonably have been done. He did say that the probation service would be reviewing its procedures in light of the case. The legal profession never failed to surprise me, and often not in a good way, and so is the case here. In 2008, Beat had two years removed from his minimum jail term, reducing it from 25 years to 23 years. After reviewing the case at London's Royal Courts of Justice, Mr Justice Plender confirmed that Beat had been assessed by the experts as dangerous, but in their wisdom, the judges reduced the tariff taking into account his full cooperation with the police and the guilty plea. You couldn't make it up, could you? They live in another world sometimes, I'm sure they do. This means that Beat could be released in November 2024, just over a year away, if he can convince the parole board that he poses no serious danger to the public. And if you were a cynic, you could argue that he has already a great track record of doing this so it's likely that he can do so again. I just hope that if this is the case, and he is let out next year, he doesn't get relocated to live near you or your family and friends, or mine. Don't you? So what do you make of what we've heard today? That line I mentioned in the introduction, when Beat told Deborah, you know I'm going to kill you now, and she simply nodded her head. I can't seem to shake it from my mind since I've heard about this story. It's just impossible to comprehend the sheer terror that Deborah must have felt in her final moments. She was somewhere that was so well known to her on a footpath that she walked so many times, 
and the noise of the town was so close and yet she was going through this most horrendous experience. You may be surprised that for once I'm not going to be predictable and rant at the prison and probation services and the variety of so-called experts who got things so totally wrong again. There's no point, is there? For all their protestations of doing all they could and all the reports that said they took reasonable actions, these people know exactly the mistakes that were made and the repercussions of these errors. This must be incredibly difficult to live with, but when you make the decision to join a profession where mistakes can be punished so terribly and the stakes are so high, you know just what you were getting into. But please let me emphasise again, these people who made the mistakes are not responsible for Deborah's murder. That lies purely at the hands of Beat. Isn't it chilling how it was just a random advert in a travel shop that made him take terror to the streets of Nuki? The planning he put into his attack kit before he travelled. Maybe this was all part of the pleasure he got from his sadistic fantasies. But who knows and frankly who cares about him? My only concern is that he is not released to a community somewhere near you or me in November 2024, still only aged about 50, and with all that life ahead of him that he took from Deborah. Surely he won't be able to convince the parole board to give him a chance for a second time, will he? As I say so many times here, I think we send too many people to prison who shouldn't be there, as they pose no danger to you or me. And yet we let many who do pose a danger to us out way too soon. Let's hope the authorities don't make this mistake again, as I imagine, like me, you are in little doubt that Beat will attack if he is released. If freed, he will remain on perpetual life license, subject to a prison recall if he does anything wrong again. But what consolation would that be to you or me if he attacks someone close to us. I hope he stays in that cell where he is right now, as you are listening to this podcast, for the rest of his life. Finally, it's been almost impossible to find out any information at all about Deborah O'Sullivan, except for her colleagues at the hotel speaking so highly of her, what a nice person and a good colleague she was. And I'm very aware that this information has been lacking in this episode. But as we finish today, our thoughts and our hearts with her family and friends, who now, over 20 years since her dreadful murder, still mourn her loss every day. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the UK True Crime Podcast. To discuss this story and any other aspect of UK True Crime, please head to Facebook and join over 91,000 of us who talk UK True Crime 24-7. It's many things, it's never dull. And to support the show and suggest cases for me to cover, please do head to patreon.com slash UKTrueCrime where you can also listen to over 50 bonus episodes and find tons of other exclusive content and of course the current weekly competitions to give away true crime books. It's a fun community on Patreon so why not join us? And a huge thank you to the latest members of this community. That is Terry Burke Wallin, Brent Robinson, Janine Cordill, Rebecca Wadsworth, Robin Howell, Stephen Davis, Katie Alderman, 
Bethany Sexton and Kirsty Sutton. Thank you so much. Your support is much appreciated. So just head to patreon.com slash UK True Crime. You know it makes sense. I'll see you there. Okay, so that's all for me, the host of the UK's 37th most popular true crime podcast. I do appreciate, I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to my show and all the comments you leave me on social media and podcast players. Well, when I say all the comments, probably less so the one that said I sound like two cats fighting in the alley. But hey, it takes all sorts, right? (laughs) But all comments are generally welcome. I read them all, every single one. And please feel free to send me a direct message on any of the social channels or via email at adam at uktruecrime.com. Okay, so that's enough for me for another week. I'll speak to you again next Tuesday. But until then, please do take it easy. And remember, despite all the others, stay classy. Cheerio for now. <laughs>